0: awesome to celebrate so many people giving their lives over to Jesus. Wow. That's that some cool stuff. I haven't gotten over that. But even as we were singing that song, like what a beautiful name it is. I was just thinking like God is real and God is changing lives and God is doing a work in so many people here in this room and in the other services and people who aren't even coming into the doors of church yet. And we can celebrate these flowers, but there is so much more that God has done that God is just so worthy of, of just praise uh, for the work that he's done. So I'm just still feeling pretty moved by that and excited as we get into this new series called I Quit. And we're going to be talking about quitting things like fear, worry, and anxiety And when God does this kind of work in us to give us victory over these kind of things in our life, that is worthy of celebration. Now, I know this guy. He's the biggest worrier I've ever met in my life. He would worry about his finances. He'd worry about the weather. He'd worry about what other people would think of him. And it's like there were these dark clouds that were always hanging over his head, and it was just stealing the joy from his life And it finally got to the point where he realized he needed to do something about it because his life was just like down in the dumps. And so he put an ad in the newspaper to find somebody to do his worrying for him and to just take care of all of his worries. And it didn't take him long to find somebody who was interested in this position, especially since he was offering to pay $5,000 a week. (laughs) Yep. So you get... As soon as he had somebody doing all of his worrying for him, it's like he was a brand new man. Like the sun came out, this weight was lifted off of his shoulders, he finally had joy in life. But I told him, like, dude, how are you going to pay somebody else $5,000 a week to, to do your worrying for you? And he just looked at me and said, that's for him to worry about. <laughs> yep. So you can probably figure it out. That's not a real story. <laughs> Man, I wish it was that easy to quit worry. Like if it was, I think a lot of us would have quit worrying a long time ago. But this is a process. This isn't the kind of thing where you just hear one message on a Sunday morning and like, oh, brand new person, put that behind. All I had to do was flip the switch. Now this, this is a process, and we recognize that. And my challenge for you over the next few weeks is to just lean into what God says about this stuff. We're going to see that between the messages on fear, fear, worry, and anxiety, there is a little bit of overlap. But I want to challenge you not to check out and think, all right, I've already heard this before, I don't need to pay attention. But to lean into this process and even during the week, to be praying that God would give you victory in this area of your life. And even if you feel like fear or worry is not something that you struggle with, then my challenge for you is to pray that prayer that we talked about a few weeks ago, of asking God to search your heart and expose if there is something that you need to work on. Now, I also think with the topic of worry, if I was just to say, all right. Worry is not helpful for our lives. Here's a few steps to just overcome it. I think we'd just be scratching the surface of what worry is all about. Because really, worry is a symptom of what we believe about life. And so this morning, I want to dig a little bit deeper into the underlying roots behind our worry. And I want to start off with talking about who we are as Christians and our identity in Jesus. Now, there's a lot wrapped up in our identity in Jesus. But if you are a Christian, you are also an ambassador for Jesus. This is kind of a big word, so I wanted to give the definition for it. An ambassador is someone who represents their king and their country in a different culture for a specific period of time. And if you are a Christian, then Jesus is your king, and heaven is your forever home. And this time that we live on earth is really just for a temporary period. And while we're here on earth living this life, we have this calling to represent Jesus to the people around us. And we can represent Jesus by loving him and loving other people and pursuing the things that are close to God's heart instead of just chasing after our own ambitions. And when we do this, every single moment of our lives has significance. There's this pastor named Eric Geiger who says, You have a mission in your day-to-day life. Therefore, the mundane stuff of life matters. Every moment of your life has significance because the moments provide you opportunities to be a transforming presence in the lives of people. Even the day-to-day moments of life matter. And because of that... There shouldn't be any kind of divide in our lives between the spiritual and the secular. And so often I think it's easy to kind of put our lives into these separate categories or different boxes. So say we have this one box and we say, all right, in this box are the spiritual things. We'll include church and going to small groups and helping people and devotion time and prayer. So those are all the things about God. And then I've got this separate box over here. And in this separate box, I've put work in there and entertainment and hobbies and my social life. And those are the things that, they're not necessarily bad, but they don't really have any connection to Jesus. But if we are really ambassadors for Jesus, and our purpose in this life is to represent Jesus to other people, it means that there shouldn't be these categories in our lives that we can represent Jesus through things like our work, through hobbies, Being an ambassador for Jesus doesn't mean that we have to carry a Bible with us everywhere that we go. It doesn't mean that we have to spend every day of the week in the church building. But it means that we can use things like um, hobbies and work to represent Jesus. And it doesn't mean that we can't enjoy things like entertainment. But as Christians, we have such a greater purpose in life than just living for ourselves this purpose that Jesus gives us in Matthew 6, We're gonna look at the first part of it right now and then come back to the rest of it later. Now, Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. As Christians, Jesus is our king and our first priority in life is to to seek him. When Jesus came to earth, he brought a glimpse of the kingdom with him, but that kingdom will not be fully realized until we are with Jesus again in heaven someday. But until that day comes, we need to keep on living like Jesus is our king even though we can't fully see his kingdom. And this isn't just a one-time choice that we make in our lives. It's not like, yep, Jesus is my king, and then I'm just going to live like that every single day. This is a day-to-day choice of living as if Jesus is our king. And this is reflected in the way that we live our lives. So in Matthew 6, 19, Jesus says, "'Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, "'where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal.'" but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And we would be short-sighted if we just lived for the things that we could gain out of this world and we weren't thinking about what we could do in this life that would make a difference for all of eternity and living for God's kingdom first and foremost, and remembering that heaven is our forever home. So I was trying to think of an illustration for this that is far from perfect, but hopefully it can help connect some of these dots. So Gabby and I often talk about like our forever home, which just means where's the place we really wanna put down roots. And let's just say that right here in Tonkanic, Pennsylvania is our forever home. But I have this opportunity of a lifetime to go to Florida for just two weeks to work this job that will completely pay for our retirement. And so I leave our permanent home to go to on this stay where I'm gonna work this job. And while I should be setting us up for retirement, I'm sending Gabby some updates on my trip like this. So, hey, I'm making all this money on this trip, and when I'm done playing the slot machines, I'll send you some of the leftovers. Or or a picture like this. Here I am, forgetting my purpose on this trip. Instead of working this job, I'm just enjoying the beach in the moment. Or here's one more that I came up with telling Gabby, hey, my heart is home with you as I'm just lounging on this yacht. And I, I could tell my wife, yeah, my heart is home with you in Tonkinah, Pennsylvania. But my actions are showing everything but that, that my heart is just set on enjoying my time in Florida and getting what I can out of the moment instead of sending that money back home and setting us up with an investment that will matter. And Jesus goes on to say that no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And as Christians, even though we can say that Jesus is our king, he's our master, there's some competition for that role in our lives. So what king are we more likely to follow? I think we tend to follow the king that we think will treat us best and take care of us the best. We might not necessarily love money itself, but it's so easy to love what money can offer us. We can love that money offers us a sense of comfort, a sense of security. Money can offer us a sense of status and provision. Or we could love... Jesus. So how do we know who our real king is? Like which master are we devoted to? I think something that we can do is to look at where our pursuits, where our actions, and where our emotions are pointing back to. That our emotion or our pursuits reveal what we're really devoted to. And I could say that I'm devoted to Jesus and I have my sights on his kingdom and his righteousness, but if my biggest pursuit in life and my actions reveal that I'm just chasing after what I can get out of this world and looking to money to give me a sense of peace and security, then it might reveal that I'm not really looking to Jesus. And up to this point, this hasn't really sounded like a message on worry at all. But Jesus has this conversation about money and where we look to for a sense of peace and comfort in life right before getting into his conversation on worry. And Jesus' conversation on worry is directly linked to this conversation about our treasures and where our heart is at through the word, therefore, in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6. And so I said before that that worry is a symptom of what we believe about life. Worry is really a symptom of what we believe about God's provision. And so in Matthew 6:25, Jesus says, "Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes." If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will He not much more clothe you of little faith? I'll stop right there. So let's just use our imaginations for a minute. And let's say I had an unlimited supply of money. I've got, see, like $1,000 here. And I could give each one of you $1,000 every single day for the rest of your lives. Man, if you had a $1,000, you could set yourself up with a pretty nice house. You could eat all the best foods, like those organic, non-GMO foods, <laughs> right? You could, you could have a, a professional chef to cook for you. You could wear all the name brands. You don't have to worry about getting teased for you know, wearing non-name brands. If that's even a thing when you're a adult, I think it is. So, if we had all of that kind of money, do you think we would be a little bit less worried about life? I mean, if you had like top of the line insurance plan, uh, you could you had this money banked away as cushion in case anything went wrong, would you be less worried in life? Some of us are like, yeah, I know, maybe, maybe not. I know for me, I'd be a whole lot less worried. Like, man, my finances are set. I don't have to worry about food on the table. I don't really have to worry about my health as much. Just don't do anything stupid and I'll be fine. But let's kind of switch the scenario. Let's say, all right, you don't get a $1,000 every single day, but you have this promise that God will provide for you and take care of your needs every single day. And you have the example of God taking care of the needs of the birds and of the flowers. Would that help you not to worry? Um, The church answer is like, it should. (laughs) (laughs) But it, it kinda doesn't because deep down inside, sometimes I don't really trust that God will take care of my needs. Deep down inside, I think I can do a better job of taking care of myself. And this is tough. Um, Just not too long ago, Gabby and I were kind of going through this season of wrestling with worry. Uh, What I'm learning is like as I get older, there's just more things in life to worry about. Like when I was young and single, it was just me. And then I get married and now there's somebody else important in my life. And then kids just add a whole new level to that. In pregnancy, like there is not much that I can do to make sure that this yet to be born baby stays healthy. Like I can take Gabby to doctor's visits, I can make sure she eats the right foods, but I can't control the health of this baby. This baby is in God's hands. And that was really tough for me to work through because I like to have control. And I knew I couldn't just have this blind optimism of like, this is going to be the perfect pregnancy. There's going to be zero complications. Everything will just be sunshine and roses. But on the flip side, I knew it wasn't healthy to worry about all the things that could go wrong. And so every day, it was just this decision to recognize that I don't have control over this, God does, and to just place this baby in God's hands. I've also learned how to walk through this with my wife, that I can't just be like, Jesus says not to worry, so just don't worry about it. She was never like, oh, well, if Jesus says don't worry, let me just flip the switch and stop worrying now. Wow, you're such a good pastor. Thanks for telling me that. (laughs) I would be like, yeah, I know. No, like, I, I wish it worked like that. Like I said before, This is a a process, a process of recognizing that I don't have control, but God does. And it doesn't mean that we should have this blind optimism in life, but every day just coming to God and looking to him to supply all of our needs and worrying, it doesn't help anything. So let's keep on reading in verse 31. and so he's saying that the people who don't know Jesus or don't know God as their provider and their leader, they're just chasing after the things that this world can offer, chasing after a paycheck, chasing after the comforts of life. And if, we're, if you're a Christian, we have such a greater calling in life than that. And I'm not saying that it's bad to work a job or to make sure that you're paying the bills. But if we're an ambassadors for Jesus, it means that working a job is not just for the sake of paying the bills, but we have this calling of representing other, Jesus to other people as we're working this job. And I think that worry is one of the biggest things that gets in the way of seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. So I think, man, I gotta take care of my needs. I have my family to take care of. And so let me just focus on that first and just uh, set us up with some cushion and and take care of them. And then I'll give God my leftovers because God is important and I want to make sure that I give God some of my resources and some of my time. But I'm seeking first my kingdom and my well-being instead of seeking God first. And we could say, well, how is this even going to work? Like, if we're seeking first God's kingdom, how are we going to pay the bills? How are we even going to make it by in life? And I think that Jesus anticipates that question because he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and here's the promise, and all these things, all the things that we need in life will be given to you as well. And we think that we're giving ourselves a leg up by seeking first our needs and our own provision. But God is really saying, but no, if you seek first me and my kingdom, then I will provide for all of your needs. And God can do a better job of providing for our needs than even we can. And this doesn't mean that if we seek God first, that God is gonna make us rich. I don't think that's the promise that he's given us here. God's not Necessarily going to make us rich. And it might even be uncomfortable to do life this way and to seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness. But it just goes back to maybe living this way brings us to this position of seeking God on this daily basis and not worrying about tomorrow because we're not sure if we have the cushion or the means for tomorrow, but God just says, Focus on today. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Just focus on today and giving things over into my hands and not carrying the stress of tomorrow on your shoulders. So hopefully we did unpackage some of the roots behind uh, why we might worry in life. But I do want to get into some practical steps and how we can overcome worry and tell worry, I quit. So one of the things that we can do is to um, challenge the lie, to confront the lie. And that lie is that I can take better care of myself than God can. And I should seek first my own provision or the lie that worry can actually accomplish something in my life. It's like I I don't want to... Admit that God has control over this. I think that I can have this sense of control if I just worry about it and think about it over and over again instead of just giving it over into God's hands. This is where we need to confront the lie by believing, really believing that he can take care of us. The other thing that we can do is to confess the worry. And I know that the word confession kind of has some baggage to it. But what that really means is just to acknowledge that something is true. And maybe we just need to acknowledge what master we're really devoted to right now. Or call worry what it is instead of packaging worry as like, oh no, that's not worry, that's concern. Or something that's more um, spiritual or acceptable. Going back to when Gabby and I were working through that season of worry, uh, just with the health of our baby, there was this moment of panic where Gabby was like, but this is a valid worry. Now, you're laughing because I don't think Gabby's the only one who's ever thought about worry that way. There's some things in life where we're like, that's not worth worrying about, but this is This is worth worrying about. This is something that's serious. It'd be bad if I wasn't worried about this. And I think it's the fact that we worry about the things that we deeply value. And we want to have control over those things because we feel like if we don't have control, we could get hurt. And when we confess the worry, I think we need to come to this place of recognizing but there is no such thing as a valid worry. If it's, even if it seems like this is an imminent thing, if it's, t- if it's a worry about tomorrow, we just need to remember that we need to let tomorrow worry about itself and just focus in the moment on giving it over to God and trusting in his provision. The other thing to tell worry I quit is to believe that God is faithful and caring. And I think that most of us here in this room would say theologically, oh yeah, that's true. I know I've gone through most of my life being like, yeah, of course, God is faithful and caring. But sometimes in practice, I don't really believe this on a day-to-day basis. And I need these constant reminders. Like for me, And what I've been working through lately, this goes hand in hand with living a life that is dependent on God and going to God in prayer. And there was um, a season not too long ago where I was kind of wrestling with the things that we were talking about this morning. And I was thinking, I can take better care of my needs than God can and figuring out my plan of action to take care of my needs. And then I caught myself and I was like, you know what? I should pray about this first. And I started giving it over to God in prayer. And I shouldn't be surprised, but God was answering this prayer in unmistakable ways. There was this week where there were four unmistakable answers to that prayer. And I figured that God would just stop answering that prayer by the end of the week. I don't know why I thought God would just answer our prayers within a week. But then the next week rolls around, four more unmistakable answers to that prayer. I was just like, wow, God is awesome. And it was a boost to my faith. And it reminded me of this uh, passage in the Bible that says something to the effect of, what father will give their son a stone when their son asks for bread? So even a bad father knows how to give their children good gifts. How much more does our heavenly father know how to give us good gifts? And when I was seeing God's answer to my prayer and experiencing his good gifts, it just like blew my mind and it was reminding me, yeah, God is faithful and he is caring. And this is the kind of reminder that I need on a daily basis. And then the last thing is to seek first what will last. And to not just chase after the things of this world and the things that will pass away, but we have this higher calling as Christians to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and to be ambassadors for Jesus and to represent him with our lives. And, and worry can get in the way of this calling that God has set in front of us. And so let's just give our worries over to God. And I know that this isn't just like you hear this message and now your life is gonna be perfect. And it's a process. And I just wanna continue to challenge you to lean into that process over the next few weeks, be praying about this and asking that God would help you to confront the worry in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you do take care of our needs. You can take better care of my needs than I can, and you've shown me that over and over again over the last few weeks. And I just want everybody else here to know that to be true. Um, not just intellectually or theologically, but in the experiences of their lives, that we would put ourselves in positions of seeking you first and foremost and then being dependent on you to provide for our needs. I think that's the place that you want us to be in. Uh, You want us to seek you first and to be dependent on you and it's an uncomfortable place to be. And it brings a lot of worry with it. But God, I ask that you would just do a work in our hearts and help us to overcome that worry with our view of how awesome you are. And I just pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.